with another episode of On Civics on Democracy. I'm Daryl Lando with the nonprofit Conserve Democracy. Today we get to the sixth of seven pillars of our model. Uh, this deals with security. Again, this is not typically part of civics discussions. After all, security is something that's needed by any type of state. But security in a democracy has to uh, avoid eroding the freedom and justice of citizens as it would do in an authoritarian state. This subject is even more topical during the time of COVID-19 under a state of emergency in the wake of protests against police brutality. We have seen different examples of how the authorities have responded to peaceful mass gatherings or to pandemic protocols. We have a heightened sense of the ways that security, freedom, and justice interact. These episodes are not intended to address current events, uh, but that is a relevant context. Canada was founded on principles of peace, order, and good government. We didn't burst forth in glorious revolution, but we had experienced rebellion, and we were born out of fears of invasion from the South. But over time, perhaps as democracy matured on both sides of the 49th parallel, Canada became less fearful of invasion or rebellion, less security conscious, with the exception of a hypervigilance uh, against communism during the Cold War, uh, and in more recent times, perhaps uh, terrorism, drugs and gangs, and the over-policing of racialized communities. While we expect autocracies and monarchies to be fixated on security, we expect democracies to be disinclined to maintain large armies, to engage in heavy internal surveillance, or to give broad powers and budgets to large police presence. Democracies allow a wider latitude of free expression and protest, so the concern is they may be slower to respond if those activities get violent. It's debatable how much of this theory has held up in practice, though likely there's truth in a relative perspective. This brings us to how democracies control their security forces, or I ought to say security services, especially where policing is concerned. Mature democracies have clearer boundaries between the military or even the police on the one hand and politicians and politics on the other. Less robust democracies oscillate alarmingly between rule by elected leaders and rule by juntas. The key is civilian control and oversight and a strong democratic culture in both society and the security forces. We have seen recently in the U.S. how military leaders have admitted overstepping a line by participating in a photo op with Trump as peaceful protesters were removed with tear gas by security forces. Um, in Canada, we saw the government emphasize the separation of power with police during the Wet'suwet'en protests and blockades, where government said they would not try to tell the police when and how to act. How much that of this was reality is a different question. We mentioned separatism in prior episodes. Democracies like Canada, when faced with this threat, have to balance freedom with maintaining unity and security. The UK and Spain are examples of using force to quell it. Canada has shown that you can be successful with more democratic means like referenda, but it was a close thing in 1995 and was also dependent on Quebec separatists using democratic means themselves. 
Security these days is often applied to the online world. Cyber attacks and foreign meddling threaten our key institutions and utilities and also stir up disunity with bots spreading divisive posts. Corporate tracking of our data, also called surveillance capitalism, threatens our privacy. Our governments have taken small steps to address these problems, but it is ongoing. To my knowledge, Canadians have been less affected than elsewhere, except where we have been rocked by the political fallout of Trump and Brexit. Whenever there are fears of migrant waves, the subject of secure borders comes up. This is especially a priority for those on the right of the political spectrum. On the left, their concern for refugees leads to calls for open borders. The middle ground seeks to maintain reasonable levels of immigration and refugees while maintaining some control over entry. But Canada's borders are long and pose a challenge to control crossings into the country, especially when policies to the south differ from ours. We must create a world safe for democracy. Arguably, the biggest current threats to Canada are nationalist governments that take unilateral unilateral action on energy and climate matters, also trade, migration, the military, and so on. We have been squeezed between Trump's America and Xi Jinping's China as they escalate their Cold War. Canada takes a post-nationalist view, being a middle or middling power, and the the weakening of international institutions that promote peace and justice, or even a commitment to multilateral dialogue, is worrisome. In the Cold War, NATO was particularly important for our security. That is perhaps less the case now, but will the weakening of NATO leave Canada more isolated? And Canada just lost its bid to get back on the Security Council. Our contribution to the United Nations has declined, as has the effectiveness of that body, though it still remains very important. Given that our problems are more global than ever, from the environment to taxation, migration to nuclear weapons, we likely need to be strengthening international governance at a time when internationalism has declined in popularity. Canada needs to raise its voice. A world safe for democracy may not always mean exporting democracy to other places, and it may or may not involve raising our expenditures of international aid. But it does mean shaping a world where democracy is a safe option for us and for those who have chosen that system. And the existence of dictatorships that collapse into failed states uh, and send masses of refugees, as happened in Syria and Libya, that is destabilizing. Uh, neither Canada nor its allies have learned how best to manage these crises. Still, Canada is remarkably secure and Canadians must be the safest of any people in the world, perhaps. And that is without the kind of expenditures on the military that were needed historically or in other countries. We can be grateful without taking that for granted. Our police budgets are quite large, and the, the Black Lives Matter movement has raised the question whether that spending is warranted. That's a question that connects to the final pillar on competence and prosperity, that's coming next. Please support what we do online at Serve Democracy and visit conservedemocracy.ca also where you could uh, make a donation. I'm Daryl Lando and goodbye. Goodbye.